Welcome to my podcast. Today we have JD joining us from, you said, Pennsylvania. Yep, thank you for having me. Yeah, I've lived all over Pennsylvania, lived all over South Jersey, I lived all over Mm -hmm. Southern Massachusetts, you know, South Shore, as we call it, you know, but I grew up, I didn't grow up, I lived in South Shore from like 18 to like 19, and then again when I was like 23 to like 26 or 25. Um, I lived in California, you know what I mean? I lived in North Carolina for a year. I kept running from my disease. That was the thing is, you know, when you're in addiction for as long as I was, you find reasons to escape it and, but continue on with it. Right. Like, um, I started drinking at 11. Did you do it like with a group of people or on your own? With my buddy. Yeah. One of my best friends since first grade, um, he would sleep over all the time. Like we would have sleepovers in my house all the time. He had a bunch of brothers, like five brothers. So he would always sleep over on like the weekends. It was easier because we had less yeah. you know, crowd in my house. And um, yeah, we were like in fifth grade and we got obsessed with the movie. Okay, the yeah, we watched that in school. I remember that book too. Yeah. Yep. Um, but we wanted to be cool, like the greasers yeah. and drink. So we snuck into my parents' basement. Was Our sneak was easy. We went to my parents' basement. My parents weren't alcoholics, but they knew how to throw okay. parties. So whenever the party was over from New Year's or Christmas or whatever party they just threw, all the liquor bottles from said party would then just go into the basement and just collect dust until the next party until I started drinking. And then I would sneak that those bottles. And so my first ever drink was Captain and Coke at 11. And it wasn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. for any other reason to just like be cool like the movies when we were 12. About a year later, um, one of our really good friends that we had known since we were little, he was hit so by far. a car and he didn't make it, you know, and that was the first time that either of us had dealt with grief in our life, in our young lives. And I distinctly remember this now looking back, you know, in the moment, I don't remember, you know, shit about it, but, you know, looking back, I remember saying to him, hey, if we, we could drink and we'll feel better. Mm-hmm. If we drink, then it won't hurt as much that he's dead. And so looking back, that's when I started drinking alcohol. So like you knew that alcohol um, changed your emotions and made you feel better after? Yeah, I knew it, it made me not have to feel the pain, you know, that you're supposed to feel. I learned now, but as a 12-year-old, I don't want to feel that kind of pain, you know. So we escaped it. And then I would say, you know, I drank pretty heavily seventh and eighth grade every weekend. I was just telling somebody earlier, you know, we would get vodka and just mix it with our Gatorade and we would hang out at the local park and we would drink. And then when the cops would pull in to yell at us for curfew, we would all scatter and run in different directions and make the cops chase us. They, they don't care a lot. So we got really fortunate that the cops would just chase us and then just would never even catch us. Or Where were anything. you living at the time? Um, I grew up in South Jersey. Um, literally, you ever hear of Camden, um, New I Jersey? I think so. I think um, I drove through there before. It's, it's literally considered for a very long time one okay. of the most dangerous cities wow. in the country. Drugs, violence. Um, and I, I grew All that? Yes and yes. Yeah, it's literally on the other side of the bridge of Philly, right? So like 
Phillies right here, and then you go over the Ben Franklin or the Walt Whitman to go to Jersey, and you're in Camden City right when you go over. And then my exit was the next exit past Camden. Like, literally, I could see the Walt Whitman Bridge entrance from my house growing up. If we walked around town, it was like one, one square mile town and house on top of each other, 10,000 people smushed into this little town. So we could just walk around easily. You know, I didn't have a cell phone. It was the 90s. We didn't have cell phone. We just came home when we had to go oh, yeah. on the street. Like, and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, drinking was easy for me to, like, go to the woods and drink or, you know, just go to a friend's house that didn't have parents home that night or whatever. We found ways to drink. and But it was the party. It was, you know, I, I wasn't escaping much. I didn't deal right. with a lot of things like trauma. There's a lot of people that we talk to, you know, I have a podcast too, you did mine. And a lot of people we talk to that have so much trauma right. in their childhood that they're escaping. Like with. at such a young age. I honestly right? wasn't. A, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, that's not my story. You know, I'm, my parents are still together. They've been together 37 oh. years. They've been together 40 years now, you know, um, okay. they met in 81 or, or 82. So they come on so, 40 years they've met. So you had a good been happy together. Like growing up in your household, like, Oh, and yeah. you mentioned we went on vacations every year with it. Yeah, we went to Disney yeah. World seven times as a family growing up. We went on road trips. I was very, very fortunate. I'm the oldest of three. Um, I, my brother's three years younger. I was just the best man at his wedding. You know, we're best friends yeah. to this day. But, you know, growing up, that wasn't the story because, you know, brothers, they you know, you don't want to be friends with your brother a lot of times when you're growing up. You want to be your own person. Mm -hmm. And then our sister is, you know, she's nine years mm -hmm. younger than me. And she's the baby. And we can yeah. see her the baby. <laughs> and still to this day, she's yeah. 25 and she's still the baby. And she's getting married in April. And she's That's awesome. amazing, you know. And But I was the one that was the rebellious one. I was the one that needed to learn all the things for myself. That I, you couldn't tell me that I was going to do it wrong. I had to find yeah. out um, ninth grade, you know, especially right. too, getting into high school. That's when um, you really you, you start having friends yeah. that are older, or you start having the friends that have the older brothers or sisters that could go to the liquor store yeah. for you. You know, yeah. we call them Guy runners. Run. You know, we could find a lot more. Yeah, you could find a lot more runners when you're you know mm -hmm. in freshman year, um, sophomore year. That was a whole. I was off to the races. Sophomore year, that's more I start, like, I didn't really smoke weed when I was a kid. I, that wasn't really my thing. Like, I wanted to party, you know. I would smoke here and there, pass me the blunt, I'll hit it, you know, kind of thing to be cool. But I wasn't, like, a smoker or anything until I was, like, in my 20s and had my own apartment. And then I started smoking a lot more. Um, but drinking progressed but, yeah, it was, from, like, ninth it was grade? Oh, um, 10th grade, I landed in the hospital. Yeah, it was the night before Easter, and, you know, my runner, they buy you whatever they buy you sometimes. And this night, I was drinking a fifth of a cardio. First night drinking it, yeah. I haven't drank it since. Um, I yeah. drank it in 10 minutes, literally 10 minutes. Yeah, oh, yeah, they, were, they, had, they, had their, they, had, oh. they had their timers on their phones to see how right. long I could chug with the bottle straight in the air. I think 26 seconds was my record. Mm -hmm. I don't remember much, you know, I, I know what I've been told mm -hmm. happened was that I passed out against a tree. They called an ambulance. They, it was, you know, the bike ramps back there. So they rolled me onto a ramp, piece of plywood, and they carried me out of the woods. They dropped me when they heard mm -hmm. sirens. I remember, I remember waking up 
kind of in the hospital and looking around, but I didn't know where I was. And, you know, it's always yeah. so cold in there. And I was like, oh, put my cigarette out. It's burning my arm. It was just <laughs> the cold metal burning sensation. And my dad's standing there. He's like, oh, so we yeah. smoke cigarettes, too. You so were they, know, like, and, conservative, your parents? Yeah. Or were they kind of, like, easygoing? No, I, but strict a little? Easygoing, you know. Yeah, my dad, gave, I still give my dad a lot of credit for giving me the best punishment. You know, now mm -hmm. that I'm a father, he gave me the best punishment he could have gave me. He didn't ground me. Um, I didn't lose my wow. curfew. It was, you know, April of mm -hmm. my sophomore year. My punishment was I wasn't allowed to sleep over a friend's house wow. for the rest of high school. Because that night I was supposed to stay <laughs> at a friend's house, you know, so that was my punishment. And he stuck to that to the point where the following winter, you know, we were all drinking in the woods. Um, it was snow. Yeah. And you know how it is, you know, Massachusetts, you know, you oh, put yeah. the beer in the snow and you go yeah, sledding, like you know, and freezer, we did that. Like, all, yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah. And we did that all night one night and um, during it, like a nor'eastern blizzard where mm -hmm. roads were shut down. So. I walk over to my buddies that live closest to the woods and my jeans were frozen up to the knees. Right. And I, um, I call my parents at home cause we didn't have cell phones. So I had to call from there and I said, Hey, I'm at James's house. Like I need to stay here for the night. Like my jeans are frozen. Like I can't even put my jeans back on. I'm wearing mesh shorts that are two sizes too small for me in a t-shirt. Like course. I can't walk home right now. It's, it's a solid, it was a mile walk home. And my dad's like, I don't care. Walk home. <clears throat> So I walked home in yeah. shorts and a t-shirt and honestly, I haven't grown leg hair since that day, but yeah, it didn't stop me. Yeah. Um, by the time yeah. I was a senior though, mm -hmm. it really got out of hand. I remember, you know, the returning class came back from like being in college around like Christmas time. You know how that goes when you're, fr when you're friends with older kids and then they come back from college. Um, and I was talking to my buddy and he was like, so you guys been partying up? I'm like, yeah, all the time. And he's like, you know, last year we set a record for like 37 straight nights drinking. I'm like, that's nothing. And he's like, yeah, six pack a day. I'm like, that's nothing. We did 55. Day? We ended oh. up doing 50. Oh, no, no, no. Sure. 55 straight days. It was that's four crazy. of my friends. Just not myself, drinking. You know, we would drink in yeah. at least a six pack but, like, a day. Each of you, not like splitting one. Like... Each of us. Yeah. Yeah, we would get a couple of yeah. 30s and, you know, we would drink. By the time we were seniors in high school, I could drive into Camden and buy it myself mm -hmm. if I wanted to. I had been robbed a bunch of times doing that. You know, you go into Camden, you ask somebody to go do it, they're going to rob you. You got to find the liquor stores that are yeah. going to serve the underage. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing. But sometimes they would say no, and then you have to ask somebody and they get robbed. So we tried not to go into Camden if okay. we didn't have to. Um, but yeah, it was easy to get beer or liquor every single day for us, whether it was my runner or my other friend's runner or my other friend's runner, we all had somebody that was over 21 that could buy for us. So this way our runners weren't going every day and they would only yeah. see once, you know what I mean? Like we would kind of systematically do that. So it didn't look like, you know, but yeah, that's when it got really right, crazy. Cause then, you know, it progressed. Um, right? Is that when you think you became like yeah. way more addicted to drinking because you were doing it like, every day i was so unhealthy by yeah. the time i graduated high school like you know my just my health in general i had i played football in high school like and lot, i didn't yeah. play i didn't i didn't mm -hmm. i didn't even play my senior year because i wanted okay. to drink 
I wanted to party. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even play my senior year because I wanted to party. Um, and then I moved to Massachusetts mm-hmm. after high school. Like halfway through my senior year, my dad had got promoted with his job and had to move to Massachusetts. Okay. He would travel back and forth every week for work and stay the mass for the week while he worked and then come back on the weekend so I could finish school. So when I graduated high school, my parents literally moved the next day. And then I stayed, I stayed for like uh, three weeks. I couch surfed, mm-hmm. lived out of my car basically. And I just, I wanted to go to graduation parties and party. I wasn't ready to move yet. And when, when I went to mass, I, I changed a lot of things. I wasn't drinking as much. That was, right. I didn't know anybody, right? <clears throat> I just graduated high school when social media yeah. wasn't really a thing in 2005. So for you, you know? it was kind of more and, socially? Um, you didn't really do it alone yet? or mm-hmm. Nope. Still mm-hmm. wasn't really drinking alone. That was when I was okay. 20, right? So now I'm living in mass and I'm yeah. bored to death. Because like I said, social media is Facebook was barely yeah. even a thing I remember at the that. time. I miss my friends. I miss all my friends more than anything. Yeah. So I get a job mm-hmm. at Best Buy um, up in Mass. I do really well. And I find out I can transfer back to where I lived and make good money and be able to live on my own mm-hmm. at 20 years. So I did that. And then my apartment became the party apartment because nobody else out of my friends had their own place. So where do you go if you want to go drink and smoke or do whatever? You go to JD's. You know, I had friends that had keys to the apartment that would just let themselves in. Um, And we drank so much. 20 years old, every night we were drinking or I would drink alone. And it was still a party. Um, There was a lot of times, though, I can look back and be like, oh, we're going to drink tonight because the Phillies lost. Or we're going to drink tonight because the Phillies won. You know, we'd always find an excuse to to drink. drink. How it was. Yeah. And turning 21 in my area, you know, I wasn't drinking and driving because we go okay. walk everywhere. Um, and all of, you know, I've had this, well, I did used to have the same best friend since first grade. And we all turned 21 okay. within a month of each other. So we were at the bars six nights a week, just going hard. And if we weren't at the bar, we were at my apartment going hard, you know, and I was maintaining my job. I was mm-hmm. doing very well at it. Um, I had turned 22 and drinking it just lost its luster. Like it wasn't doing it for me. It wasn't fun anymore, but I needed something. Right. And I remember not going out on a Friday night and being like, I'm just going to like just chill at home tonight. And I was smoking with somebody because everybody randomly would be at my apartment. You know, that's the thing is I'd have yeah. the most random player at all times because that would be their house. way out of their house. Mm hmm. And this dude was there and he was like, hey, you know, I can't sell you any weed. So I was trying to buy some weed to like yeah. just chill and watch some movies and relax. He's like, I don't have any weed, but I have these tents, you know, they're bananas. And we called them bananas. We had school buses and bananas. School buses mm-hmm. were the fatter tents and bananas were the slimmer tents. And um, he's like, I got some bananas, 10 bucks a piece. You want to buy a couple? And I'm like, yeah, I'll take two. You know, my everyone's rule should be to take half. Yeah. And my rule was but, always like, so to take two. before that, did you um, ever try pills? Or so you knew what, yeah, how it felt, like did, what you were I, taking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My senior year is when I started, like, taking pills during school. But they were more like mm-hmm. um, somas. Okay. You yeah. know, muscle relaxers. 
it would be a, it wouldn't be we were buying pills off the street it would be like hey i yeah. got some of these from like my mom's screw you know kind of thing and we would be hung over in first period right. and take some mm-hmm. pills you know nothing crazy it yeah. wouldn't be like a party thing um that july i turned 21 september 2000 i turned 22 september 2008 um that july before that we had gone on vacation my friends and i you know for like a week and somebody brought like a bag of tens with them and i had done a lot of tens that week um to the point where i withdrew for the first time in my life and I didn't know I was withdrawing. I thought I was literally and this just is, sick. Um, you from know, it wasn't it? Like this is all what like um, yeah, like per the bananas. Yeah, how it was is, straight how up. Did they make you fail? Was it like what kind of like high? Like different from drinking? It, it took me. You know, I I felt that warmth okay. that alcohol made me feel. You know, I felt yeah. that the tingles, and I felt okay. lightheaded, and I felt mm-hmm. fucked up let's be real and that's what i was shooting for every time so yeah like that july we went hard that week and then like i remember getting sent home from work because i was so sick and we just thought i had the flu it wasn't until like seven eight months later when like i was really witch rolling from 30s for the Mm -hmm. first time and i was like oh that's what happened back in july you know and i realized like oh that's why i was feeling that bad. it wasn't the flu um but that October 2008, it was it was October. Right before the Phillies won the World Series, and yeah, I was staying in. And for some reason that night, I don't know if it was just my recliner was that comfortable. I don't know if it was the quietness of me being alone that night. But I had never been so fucked up no. in my entire. You know, I don't think to this day yeah. that I, you know what I mean, off those two perk ten. Just two perk ten. Um, the next okay. next day it was so three. Next day it was three. And then I found another dealer that hung out at the bar that I used to go to, you know, and yeah. I would see him. Eventually he didn't have tens anymore. He had thirties. He goes, Don't worry, but you know, they're twenty dollars a piece as opposed to ten dollars a piece. But you get an extra ten milligrams yeah. and I can snort what do you mean I can snort them? I didn't know I could snort these. You know, this was two thousand eight before we could like Google this kind of stuff, you know, and read yeah. about this kind of stuff. Um, so like I'm breaking up and, and as soon as I snorted it, that is when I was like, I had that, like, oh, like right here, like this in your head, kind of like... feeling. Yeah. Like, you know, they talk about it in the program yeah. that I have arrived. That was my arrival. That was, you know, alcohol never, I loved alcohol right. and the way it made me feel, but it never gave me that. Yeah. And so quickly and without feeling bloated, because like. A lot of people that drink beer, mm-hmm. you know, they burp a lot, right? And they don't yeah. feel bloated because they burp. I honestly haven't burped since I was a baby. That's different. Never? Still to this like, day. So... Never. Never. And I know. So I could never get that, like, I could never, like, burp and feel better while drinking like a lot of okay. people could. Right? A lot of people could burp and feel better. And I had to literally make Because it was just, like, better. all stuff. So having these... That's so uncomfortable. Yeah, so having these, you know, tens, yeah. smoke a couple tens, drink a nice glass of Coca-Cola, yeah. and smoke a blunt and watch a movie, yeah, I'm good. This is a great night for me. I don't have to, like, feel bloated, and I don't have to wake up hungover and get all sweaty from the hangovers and feel all gross. Yeah. I loved it. And then the 30s, once I sniffed them, though, it was, right. I was, I was in love. Like, you know, they say you get three loves of your life. That was my first love. 
Like that was a relationship that I had to break up with. You know, I even had a breakup song. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I broke up, you know, slow dancing I in mean, a burning like, room. I know how John hard Mayer. it was that to was, you know, break up with alcohol, but well, the difference is you don't sell the, you don't sell no. alcohol, right? That's the difference is you don't have to sell alcohol yeah. to support your habit. Um, because that's what happens to me. And a lot of people is like, all right, well now I'll sell these thirties that I love the thirties way more than the tens. Cause you couldn't sniff tens. If you did, you were an idiot because they were filled with like all these fillers. Okay. Like it wasn't true. So the thirties, that's just gets you right there. And, um, I was addicted mm-hmm. to snorting. And I didn't, I, I never shot up in 10 years. I never did heroin in 10 years. I loved Roxycodone 30 well, milligrams. Roxy? Roxycodone is a technical term for 30 milligram blues. Yeah, I've You know, seen the those. blues, probably, yeah. Um, we, they're probably called taking Roxycodone. them, but you know, like, that was never my thing. Like, maybe drinking, taking them, like, if someone had yeah. it, but I never, ever, like, it didn't, it wasn't my addiction. It's just a different okay. brand of Oxy. It's just a different companies that right. make oxy. So it's, an it's the same opioid. thing as oxycodone. Opioid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oxycodone yeah. instead of oxycodone. Okay. It's the same difference. They both fuck you up and they both give you crazy withdrawals. But I was addicted to snorting them, and I was like, I'm just going to yeah. sell them to support my habit, you know. And I tried getting clean that July. You know, I moved back to Massachusetts <laughs> again to run away from my problem. It had been almost a year of doing them every single day and selling them and just feeling awful. I bought um, six Suboxone, and this was like so long ago, it was the subs that were pills, not strips. Um, This was July 2009, and I moved back to Massachusetts to, like, escape my problem. And then I find out that Massachusetts is a hotbed for opiates, and it was extremely easy to get them there. It wasn't long before I was driving to Randolph from Carver. I would drive from Carver up to Randolph to pick up or to Stoughton. Yeah. You know, that's how early we talked, Stoughton. I know where that is. You know, I used to drive up, up and down 44 all the time to grab my pills. You know, I would meet this girl in the most random places up and down 44. I would pick up all the time and I would still get high, but not as much. I, you know, it was here and there. So, um, Suboxone's, like, I've taken them before, and I just remember getting so, so freaking sick off those, because, like, you know, I, so because you had opioids in your system already, you didn't get really sick from Suboxone, like, you could take it like a perk. Yeah, when I, when I got there initially, it was July 5th, 2009, and that was, like, my first sober date from pills, and, but I wasn't going to meetings, I was just doing it at home and I tapered, you know, I would take a quarter of a sub if I would only take it when I was withdrawing. I see. That's okay. the thing. Whoever's people that try to, you know, do it themselves, they take subs like they're, you know, like, Oh, I got to take it because I'm, I think I'm supposed to. And it's like, no, you need to wait until you're okay. hurting. You need to wait until you feel that pain and then okay. take a sub. And then next time, wait even longer. Wait, sit in that pain a little bit longer. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's going to pass. But the people that take the subs early and too quickly are the ones that end up just getting addicted to Suboxone, which is even harder to cut than dope or hair or anything. So, you know, I took the subs very well. It, it, I wasn't doing any pills. I was just <laughs> taking my subs. It wasn't until like three months later when I had been away from pills for a couple months 
that I was, you know, working my job and then I met somebody who liked pills and then he had a connection and then yeah. I'm doing them again. But again, it's not out of hand. It was just whenever I could meet yeah. this girl. It was like once a week I would get high. And it wasn't even a problem. So it was once a week. It is what it is. And um, yeah, I, I stayed up there for a little bit. And then I came back to Jersey because I thought it was good. And I got a big promotion. Worked, like, so you were still you know, holding down your and job? I was a functioning. I, I owned a company for the last three years of my addiction. with wow. my dad and brother. And I was working. So you were functioning. Oh, high functioning. So, that's why. It but like, did so your long. family notice any change? Any difference in you? They no no. I was very very. You know, the only times they ever would call me out for being high was years later, and it was because I started using Xanax. And too. with the perks, I, my yeah no yeah because I wanted to have I wanted to have a high that felt uh, uh, what is that drug called? Uh, uh, oh my god, I'm blanking I on think the name. I, I know. I but, can't put me. Yeah, I, I'm just blanking on the name right now, but I wanted to feel that okay. kind of euphoria that didn't exist anymore. And I knew if I mixed Xanax with the 30s, it would kind of combine them and yeah. make me feel that way. So I would mix them. And that's when I started getting caught is because I would be so fucked up on Xanax that they were like, "You're mm-hmm. something's wrong with you. Your lips are white. Your cat, like there's something wrong. But I was never called out one time. When I was on 30s, I was always called out when I had Xanax in my system. So that was the problem mm-hmm. after the 30s, right? You know, and the other thing was very early on, you know, three months into my addiction, I knew that I was an addict. Yeah. You know, I knew that I was addicted and I was okay oh, yeah. with it. You know, I had a conversation with myself where I said, this is okay as long as you don't do heroin. So you were justifying okay. and like, made- like your actions for something but like you, I'm not as 100%. bad as this yet, yet or yeah. right. I'm not doing heroin. I'm not shooting dope. I'm not homeless. Look at me. I got a job. I got a place to live. I live by myself. I didn't get into relationships. I didn't even date anybody. You know, I, I, I told myself since high school that I will only date somebody that I see myself marrying. I don't want to waste my time. I have too much to do to waste time just dating somebody just to have a fucking girlfriend. Just to say I have a girlfriend that I'm not even going to stay with, that's a waste of time for me, a waste of their time and mine. So I wouldn't even get into relationships. I was too wrapped up in where's the next party? Let's do it. Um, 25, I started dating my mm-hmm. childhood best friend. Um, she was bipolar, schizophrenic, and alcoholic. Um she was drugged and raped when she was 19. When you're bipolar, you're born with it, but it doesn't show until an inciting event happens. So for her, it was that, and that kind of flipped the switch. And then when she went to her first hospital stay is when she became schizophrenic because she got so rewired in there. Um, And then she started drinking to make the voices go away. And she lost a lot of friends because the friends didn't know how to deal with her. but I did, you know, I was a very patient guy and I loved her and, um, we enabled each other for three years. You know, I told her everything, you know, she knew that I was getting high when I got high. We never really shared. She wasn't into pills. You know, she was into Coke, if anything, and she drank and I wasn't the drinker anymore. I was the pill head. So she would drink like a, you know, a $5 handle of wine while I'm putting down some thirties and just watching yeah. Glee, you know what I mean? Just hanging out. 
and I loved her so much. What happened? Um, like, um, so you guys were just like in a relationship, enabling, like using together. She took her life July 13th, 2015. When you were together? Yeah, it was about a month shy of her three, three I'm year so anniversary. I'm so sorry. That, um, I couldn't even imagine yeah. that. It, it, yeah. I spiraled. Um, I moved to North Carolina. I wasn't allowed at her funeral. They blamed you? Um, yep. Her family blamed me. Um, they still do. And you know what? I know. It's but, okay you know. now. Because it's I'm okay with being the bad guy in their scenario. I'm the good guy in a lot of other people's scenario. You know, there. I just told you my sponsee. Yeah. I mean, he just celebrated six months. Guess sure. what? I'm the good guy in his story. I'm okay with being the bad guy in some stories. That's just life. You're never going to you know now, be a good person like it as wasn't much as you try. It wasn't. I did yeah. everything I could to keep her alive. Anything she could have went a lot sooner if I didn't keep, you know what I mean? I've talked yeah. about her suicide so many times. When she did die, I knew which song she would have played at her funeral because mm -hmm. she told me so many times. And I hate to say it, but the joke was kind of on them because she didn't want me at her funeral. Yeah. She told me that. Two weeks before she did that, you know, she she tried giving me oh, her so ring you back. Proposed to you were age. Oh, I proposed oh, wow. New Year's <laughs> Eve that year before. Um, she tried giving me the ring back, and because I was, I had to go to North Carolina for work. And she, you know, better help and those other things didn't exist then for therapy. Mm -hmm. So she had to wait and see what she could get for therapy down there before she came mm -hmm. with my brother and I. So she tried giving me the ring back and tried to end it. And said, just move on. You know, you're going to live a much happier life without me anyway. And no, I'm not taking your ring back. Like, no, we're together. And then she just kept saying, if something happens to me, I, I don't want, I want this to be your last memory of me. I don't want you to have to see me like that. I, I can't, I don't want you to see me ever in a coffin. I want this to be your last memory. And turns out it was my last memory. Packing that week, um, I was very drunk. And so did um, you kind of like spiral? I found the... I found the ring. Found I found the ring. the ring. I found the ring. She put it in my dresser and I didn't know, but I found it when I was unpacking because when I packed my dresser, I just fucking shrink wrapped it and just took it. You know, I didn't take the clothes out of yeah. it. I just took the dresser. So, and I, I found it then. And that really like, I walked out of the apartment and walked straight to the bar. I was already drunk, but, and that's when I found my new favorite bar that was at, I was at this bar. I had my own yeah. seat, Krista. Oh, I've I been there. They, they, because I was such, I yeah. was such a good tipper that they would want to make sure. Because I lived um, in Durham, North Carolina. It's most famous. Oh, okay. for, there's a triangle: Chapel Hill, Raleigh, okay. and Durham. And it's called the Triangle because they're all we're all right there near each other. And um, I was in Durham, but I worked in Raleigh. Um, and I, I, I spent all my time at the bar though. And like they, you know. I was a great tipper, so they always had my seat ready for me. They would kick people out of my yeah, seat that were yeah. sitting in it kind of thing. I was doing a lot of Coke. I couldn't really okay. get pills down there, um, yeah. but I could get Coke. And I could have pills shipped to me from Jersey. So, like, once a month, I would um, pay my buddy to take his script and send me, like, 20 of them. And I would go through. Yeah. yeah. And that, oh, my God. Talk about nerve-wracking days. I would sit at my apartment complex in my car and I was supposed to be on the road working, but I would just sit there and I'd wait for the USPS to show up so that I could grab my envelope that I knew had a bunch of thirties in them. 
you know, I was drinking, I was using Coke, but they were all still just means to an end. Yeah. I wanted my pills. Um, after a year of being down there, my brother and I had enough of the heat in North yeah. Carolina. It was so hot. Um, and we moved to Pennsylvania to start a Roto-Rooter franchise so like with 20, our dad. I was 20, 29. Oh, 29. <laughs> yeah, this was 2016. I was okay. about to be 30 okay. that September. And this was July. So how or long June did you stay down there? 2016. A year. A year exactly. Eleven months. Yeah. Um, and when we came back, it was this time we, we didn't go back to Jersey. Yeah. You know, I didn't. I haven't lived in Jersey since 2015. And when we came back, we went to Lancaster County um, in PA. That's like really famous okay. for being Amish country. Um, like horse and buggies everywhere. Like you go to the you go to the convenience store, and there's literally parking spots for horse and buggies. That's how okay. Amish our area was. Um, so I couldn't even begin to find any pills there. So I started driving to my old stomping grounds in Jersey um, for three years, um, four times a week, easily. I would drive two hours to Jersey, pick up, and drive two hours back again. Did, um, um, did, did cocaine kind of stay with you, too, on top of the pills? Or that was just something because it was there? That It, it did. It, it came... <laughs> It, it was there. It came back and it came back a lot in my last six months mm -hmm. of my addiction. Um, I was hanging out with somebody that, you know, it, she identifies herself as a cokehead. So I can say that um, she was a cokehead. She's been clean for years now. She got clean right after I went to rehab um, and we were enabling each other. Right. And so, like, she didn't know I was mixing. I was trying to die. Okay. Kristen. So after, like, that kind of, like, made you feel like, you know, a lot of different things. I was okay with that. didn't dying. care anymore. Yeah. Not at all. And um, so I was started mixing Coke eventually with my Xanax and, and my and you were pills, still snorting my perks. And all of that one yeah. line. I would, yeah. I mean... I own one line, just, I was yeah. trying to stop my heart. Did you ever you know? end up in and hospital from doing any of that or just? No, well. no consequences. Um, I got arrested. I, the first time I got arrested for something that it was drug related, but it wasn't at the same time. It was um, 2013 summertime and I was house sitting for an old manager that I, mm -hmm. I house sat for all the time. And this time, okay. Xanax was in the mix. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but Xanax makes you steal. steal. Anybody listening anybody listening to this or watching this that has done or had a problem with Xanax, they are okay. shaking their head agreeing that when you're on Xanax, you Damn. black out and you steal shit. And you don't remember. I talked to... I've, I've taken had, it know, to my, relax, but not, like, you know, not like that again. Like, I never had a habit. Yeah, like, out of, like, 80 interviews yeah. I've done on my show... Anybody that yeah. I've talked to about Xanax, mm -hmm. which is like a quarter of us, they all yeah. told me the same thing. They stole and Shit. blacked out on Xanax. So, <laughs> like, I stole a bunch of his wife's jewelry, and I sold it at the closest pawn shop. And I got arrested for it, and I got put on probation for it. But the, the thing is, I was doctor shopping. So you put me mm -hmm. on probation, I'm allowed to take my Perk 30s. I'm allowed to take Xanax because I have scripts for them. I just couldn't smoke weed for six months. You know, I got done my probation and I was getting high the entire time because I had scripts right. and I wasn't able to. It, was easy. it didn't stop me. Uh, just made me get smarter about what I was doing. Um, and then I got arrested. Um, we'll cut to 
eight March two thousand eighteen. Um, I'm doing stand up mm-hmm. comedy at the time. There was a um, okay, improv um, place okay. in, in Cambridge. Um, it was right by Harvard. That's where I started out doing comedy. And then when I came back, I got right back into pills even harder and right back. I was writing and then I started performing in 2018. And um, within a few months, I, I had to be high to be on stage. You know, I couldn't be on stage unless I had a drink in my hand and I had some pills in my nose. And uh, that was a crazy time because I was basically sharing without knowing I was sharing, right? Like, because there were some days where I wasn't preparing material to get on stage. I would literally get on stage and I was so broken. I was 31. I had been on pills for a decade. Mm -hmm. I had been drinking for two decades and I lost my love of my life. I was a shell of a person and I was completely broken. And I would literally get on stage sometimes. And when nobody was in the crowd that I knew, I didn't know anybody in the crowd, I would grab the mic and say, I'm JD and I'm an addict. And then I would look around and say, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong room tonight. And, you know, and then I would start venting about my day. It's basically but I was sharing. But you were, sharing. like, kind of making And I didn't know I was sharing. Yourself. Yeah. I was making a funny, you know, making fun of myself. I was, mm-hmm. but I was broken. I was basically yeah. begging for help, but I right. didn't know how to. I got arrested. I was, I had just, I... On one of those two-hour drives, but, right? No, yeah, um, I over, well, I, I went to my dudes. Um, I had two different consistent guys I would buy from. One dude I really trusted because he spotted me all the time. We talked all the time. We were good friends. Um, I owed him like $2,000 when I went to rehab, 1800 to be exact. And then there was another dude that I only saw mm-hmm. if I had to, yeah. you know, because he was such a pain in the ass to deal with. I didn't like dealing with him. And this day I had to deal with him. And I went to his house and he got high. So he like, he never, he knew I was only driving two hours to see him. So he would let me like snort a bunch of pills off the counter usually when I would get there. Because he knew I was always withdrawn. And this day he did not. He told me, nope, you got to leave right now. So I got in my car and I started driving to my buddy's house. And while I was driving there, I was on the phone with somebody not even paying attention got pulled over. Turns out um, the cops were watching him and they followed me from his house. They waited until I was in the school zone and then they pulled me over in the school zone. Um, They found the weed right away um, because I told them it's in a center Mm -hmm. console. You know, I have an eighth in a center console. That's all I have. But really, I had my pills Mm -hmm. in my sleeve right here and I rolled my sleeves up. Um, Did they ask you to get out and though? Whenever they search, and then oh oh yeah, because whenever they search the car, they yeah. have to bring another officer, one <laughs> officer to watch you, and the other officer searches. So we're waiting for the other officer to arrive. It doesn't take long, and yeah. I'm withdrawing like crazy because I still hadn't done these pills. And um, the guy's starting to search in my car. I tell him where the weed's at, and as as I'm doing that, like I, my hoodie sleeve was like really fucking like loose because i'd always pulled them up so they got really like bent out and like really disheveled so it started falling so the officer to help me <laughs> grabbed it and pulled it back up for me and that's when he felt the bag yeah. and he went look what i found you don't got to keep looking <clears throat> and i had like 20 30s in there 
And um, he's like, oh, this is attempted distribute in the school zone. I right. said, no. They know what they were doing. Number one, 20 is, 20 is my personal stash because I'm a drug addict yeah. and I need 20. And two, you pulled me over in a school zone when I was clearly driving past it to go somewhere else to use it. Oh, they knew what they were doing, though. <laughs> so I oh, wasn't going to rack anything on you oh, yeah. so they could get yeah. that arrest. It's happened to me yeah. before. But... Yeah, so straight up, I, I, I told the detective where I came from. I knew they were, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I was at his house. Yeah, I bought him from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they, they let me, you know, get out of there because I was honest with them. Um, but they were already watching him. They were just trying to collect mm -hmm. as many people as they could. <laughs> So they, they didn't want to put me in jail because then it would disrupt what he was doing and what they were trying to, with the case with him, right? So they had to let me go so that he wouldn't know that I was picked up. Um, I, I actually went right back to his house and bought right more after, yeah. right after that. That's insanity, right? Because I need <laughs> like, to get, oh. well, I, in my head, I'm like, oh, the cops yeah. are doing paperwork right now. They're not watching them, you know, and I got to go on stage in a few hours. The way we high. think as so crazy, like something yeah, and, like I remember so getting arrested in twice in one night because that's how my mind worked. It wasn't going to stop me. <laughs> I went to court two weeks later, high off yeah. my ass. My preliminary hearing, I don't even remember it because I was so high. But two weeks later after that preliminary hearing, it was mm -hmm. 420 and I'm watching Netflix and there's, I'm, you know, I'm smoking, I'm doing pills, my usual. And I'm watching a documentary on Netflix and it's called Legend of 420. Mm -hmm. It's no longer on there, but it's on YouTube, I think. Legend of 420. And I'm watching it. And it's a bunch of different segments on how weed is a medicine. You know, one segment was on like a 12-year-old yeah. kid that had such bad, you know, um, uh, what's that when you... Like seizures? Uh, convulse. Um, seizures so bad that he couldn't even, he never even talked his first 12 years of his life because he had like hundreds of seizures a day um they moved him from oklahoma mm -hmm. to colorado and within two days he never had a seizure again and he was able to talk for the first time to his little brother and be a regular person bawling my eyes out you know i cry yeah. so easily i was like a little girl when it comes to that so like and then there's a segment that's a about this place called high sobriety you said high LA. sobriety high sobriety high sobriety um it is a rehab in los angeles that it's a sober living okay not not a yep. rehab that's important Different. to know it's a sober okay. living not a rehab i watched this documentary and i learned that you can use cannabis as a medicine and you can use cannabis as a way to get off pills okay. and i'm like sign me up how do i do that you know and and that was the first time in 10 years of doing pills that I said to myself, and what year I was this? That rehab. this was April 20th, okay. 2018. Yeah. And I feel like just recently yep. in and the past few or four years, maybe like marijuana, the scene has expanded oh yeah, that's... immensely. People are finding out that you can yep. use that for a bunch of different things. Completely open about my recovery. And no, it's yeah. not, you know, I'm completely open about how I work my recovery with that. Um, because I went out, you know, the next day was a horrible day for me. You know, I drove to Jersey. I, I always had okay. my dog with me. Um, I started bringing mm -hmm. my dog with me on my trips. Yeah. Um, she liked the car rides, but also I was going to kill myself yeah. if she wasn't with me. I was going to take my car into a tree. And Dogs are great. Like I had a, a dog that. sidekick forever when my dad passed away and she yep. was my girl. She passed away. My like, little, my she passed little away Zozo. during coronavirus. Well, I got so Zoe. I got two more, you know. I'm sorry. But. 
I got I got her I got her a okay. month after that. I rescued her yeah. from like the pound and you know, she has been my ride or die. Now she lives with my brother because my brother has three dogs, yeah. so she gets to play and has a yeah. fenced in yard and she's not stuck in an That's apartment. Awesome. She's happy there. I would bring her with me and it was just one of those days where I sat in a McDonald's parking lot for six hours waiting to see somebody. And then I end up driving back home and I have three pills. I did two right away because I'm withdrawing so bad. Yeah. And now I have one and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, it's eight o'clock at night on Saturday and I'm on the PA turnpike and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And I Googled high sobriety and a phone number popped up and at 5 p.m. in L.A. time, this dude answered and he talked to me for two hours. I was on a flight within three days. I had a huge comedy showcase that Monday um, and I didn't show up for it because I was so afraid if I won. I don't think I would have won. But I was afraid if I did win, I was going to talk yeah. myself out of going to rehab. And then you would have continued. I would have been like, oh, look what I just did. Look what I just did. And um, so I went, I flew out there that Wednesday morning. That Tuesday night, <laughs> my mom drove me to the Philly airport. And she stayed with me at the hotel for the night and, you know, to make sure I was good. She knew that I had somebody driving over to me to bring me pills so I can get high one more time in the bathroom or the hotel room. My mom in the other room. And I did. Um, that's the last time I snorted any kind of oxy, um, was April 24th, 2018. I went to rehab the next day and haven't touched pills mm-hmm. since, you know, I was in, but I was in treatment for 29 days. They didn't, it, I didn't have cannabis mm-hmm. right when I got there mm-hmm. and I couldn't smoke it. The whole point is to yeah. change your relationship. I never got into smoking weed there. I didn't even smoke weed until like I had a relapse with drinking. I was 13 sober. months sober and um, I had a relapse with alcohol. So what do you say your and date is? Only is it when you first got sober? My sober date is leap day, 2 okay. <laughs> clean and mm-hmm. sober. Um, my recovery, though, started okay. 4 18 yeah. You know, even when I drank, when I relapsed with drinking, I didn't go overboard. I was so indoctrinated with AA that it was hard for me to over like the first time I ever drank again, when I relapsed, I bought a six pack and poured two out to prove right. that I didn't need all six. But you're still just I don't need to drink all these. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's bullshit. Um, but that entire summer, that entire fall and that entire winter, no DUIs. I didn't even over drink. I didn't have any hangovers. It wasn't until two twenty nine where I woke up hungover and I said to my wife, like, I don't want to drink anymore because I had that thought of, I need to get high to take away this hangover. And that scared me. When I was getting high on thirties there, they weren't pressing fentanyl. On the right. That started a few months after, you know, that, that I got sober, that, that really started happening. I feel like in a way we were like, so, so that kind of scared me to like get sober. I think even 2018, 2020, like when I'd be dead. dead. The scene is so crazy right now. It's just horrifying. Like, even when I think think back to, like, when we were snorting, whatever, you know, from whoever, like, into now, it's crazy. I'd be dead. So if this was many still more people too, would be you know, dead. If I was and, still just, using... and then, because you hear the stories of how people are dying today off fentanyl around here, like, everywhere. Yep. It's crazy. Everywhere. It's scary. It's, it's everywhere now. And that's, you know, I... When I got sober, I, um, again, because when I woke up hungover, there's only three, two things that cure a hangover for me. It's more drinking or pills. And I chose option three, which was quit. 
And, um, you know, then COVID yeah. hit two weeks later. My wife quit with me. Um, we have the same server okay. date since this day. Um, it's been, you know, two years this February. Um, but awesome. yeah, like we have the same server date. Um, we're our support system. And then we eventually, once COVID kind of mm -hmm. like let down a little bit around May, we opened a mental health meeting center in our town. And we host mm -hmm. AA meetings here, That's we awesome. host NA meetings here. This isn't a commercial for legal zoom, but they were great for helping me get that nonprofit going and not yeah. too cost effective. Um, and then once we got that official nonprofit, then we found a building and then we got really lucky with the building. Oh. And then yeah, we started, you know, my my wife um has a meditation room yeah, that she does meditation out of and she tarot and yeah. witchcraft stuff <laughs> and all that kind of thing and um yeah and then my podcast studio was here and i you know we had i started my podcast in july i interview people all over the world um in september for recovery month i celebrate it by releasing one episode every single day to raise awareness around recovery month and these are full hour long two hour episodes of full interviews of different people every day and then um around middle of november i was like man holidays that overdoses and the relapses are so crazy yeah. why don't i put out an episode every day from thanksgiving to new year's eve to promote you know just putting stories out there you know not everybody's going to watch every story but maybe the person will catch that story that they need to catch in that moment to keep them from, from a relapse or something like that so yeah, right now I'm halfway between, you know, releasing daily yeah, episodes, I love that. That's you know, awesome. from there's different stories every single day from literally yeah. all over the world, but every single person I talk to, I can't help but to resonate with and to share their story mm -hmm. with, you know, and that's what happens. The more you talk to people, you find out you're not alone. And that's the important thing too, is that finding is so out that kind of stuff. Yeah. being okay with that, you know, and being okay with our past and accepting our past as it is what it is. I can't change it. I don't I don't want to change my past. If it wasn't for my past, I wouldn't have met my wife. I mean, I say we say that all the time. I'm like, you know. like, sometimes I wish I could change my past. But if I did that, I wouldn't have learned everything I learned. You know, I wouldn't have met my fiance. I wouldn't have the life I have today if I didn't yep. go through everything. I learned. Yeah, I wouldn't have exactly. the mindset that I have today. I wouldn't have the outlook on things like I remember two in rehab. And it was my first and only rehab stint because mm -hmm. I'll never go back to rehab because if I ever had a relapse, I'll just go back into going to meetings again. Now I know what I need to do. When, like, when I had that relapse before, I knew what I needed to do. Um, so it wasn't going to rehab again. It was hitting the meetings and getting support again and getting the right, right kind of people in my life again. But I remember I was in rehab and this dude was in and out of rehabs, like seven, eight rehabs. You know, mm -hmm. he's way younger than me. And I'm just like miserable. Well, we played basketball every day. And he was like, why are you looking so pissed? I'm like, dude, I'm fucking rehab. And like, I don't, I'm just not in a good mood. He goes, I'm just not happy. And he goes, you know, happiness is a choice, right? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you know, you have the choice to be happy. It's up to you to choose to be happy or it's up to you to choose to be sad about something. You can look outside the window and see it's raining and you have the choice to go, oh, shit, my day sucks. So happy. It's all about how you look at things. And I never even realized that mm -hmm. until I was 31 years Same. old. Yeah. And I carry that with me all the time. And I pass that message along. That's all we can do is just keep putting out stories and hope that the right people hear them at the right time. I agree. And that's. Well, yeah. 
You know, that's all I sure. do now is, you know, just my, my podcasts are on YouTube. Um, they're on Spotify mm-hmm. video also. They're on Spotify audio, Apple, Google, Facebook. Yeah, MJ's Progress mm-hmm. Not Perfection is the name of the podcast. I know my name is JD, but our meeting center is called MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Where is that located? Mikey, and I'm JD. And Bloomsburg, awesome. Pennsylvania, it's like in the mountains and, you know, Anybody that watches The Office yeah. knows what Scranton is. So we're like kind of close to there okay. in the Poconos, like Northeast nice. PA. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, our, we have a college in our town. You know, we're a college town. Literally, there's a bar right next door to our meeting center. And it's so funny because this building was empty for so long oh, that yeah. they used to smoke yeah. outside of it, people from the bar. <laughs> and so like now I'll walk out there to smoke. And I'm like, oh, you guys here for AA? And they're like, what? Like, no, I'm at the Gosh. bar drinking. What are you talking about? I'm like, come out there. Like, hey, yeah, we can have a conversation about your, I turn into a Jehovah's Witness. So I'm like, you guys want to talk about your drinking? Let's talk about your drinking. No, that's buddy. great. I up making it, yeah. <laughs> I end up making one friend out of it though. Every time he goes there, we talk. We'll smoke a cigarette and we'll bullshit together. Um, but hey, not everyone's ready yet right. in in um, time. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Is. Um, I loved your story. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I know I went on yours earlier, and yeah, it's great to meet people like you in the recovery scene. And yeah, I'm glad I made a new friend this way. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for having me yeah. and doing my shirt too. Awesome. Well, I'm going to end that here. Thank you.